inside. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engines running, commit liftoff. Good afternoon and welcome to SWAT Radio. It is Thursday, August 5th. Almost time to start school. So glad you could uh, join us on this Thursday. Uh, big shout out to our listeners up on the Lighthouse in Virginia Beach in uh, Chesapeake, Virginia, and to Meridian, Mississippi, WMER, and then all of our listeners in Georgia and uh, Florida on the truth. So glad you could uh, join us on this Thursday. Thursday's guest day. This is Doug McCary of His Light Ministries, by the way. And uh, on Thursdays, I have the privilege of having different guests who have influenced the kingdom, uh, both local, national, and uh, the guest that we have today just recently also led our SWAT retreat. He has been the uh, pastor of Grace Baptist Church in Cape Coral, Florida, for over 30 years, taught theology courses at several seminaries and uh as one of the founders and the the executive director of founders ministry uh he's also an, an author conference speaker uh podcaster journal contributor blogger uh, uh i don't know much tom hasn't done ministry wise and we are very blessed to have tom askell join us today tom welcome to swat radio well, Doug, thank you so much. It is a joy to be with you. Well, uh, you were so gracious to come and do our retreat. Uh, we really uh, have had a lot of good feedback. Thank you for sharing with our guys. And, uh, Tom, you have been in ministry a long time, and I ask you to speak specifically to the whole issue of what we're going through right now, and you, you kind of talked about courage and standing firm, and uh, I know that that's been uh, you. You have stood firm with a lot of grace over the years. You're a very gracious uh, man. Sometimes when you stand firm, it's easy to not be gracious. Uh, but you have a, a very gracious spirit, and I've, I appreciate that about you. And enjoyed getting to know you a little bit. Although you can shoot an AR-15 pretty good. <laughs> so, <laughs> that, hey, yeah, well, was that your first time to ever shoot an AR-15 at a retreat? <laughs> uh, let's see, at a retreat? No, actually, it wasn't. I wish I thought I could say yes, but I've actually done that at another men's retreat. Well, that's good. I, well, I enjoy guns, so yeah. Well, you shot the AR-15 very well. Uh, so, uh, you folks down in South Florida, you not you don't want to be messing with. Uh, grace baptist church people they are they've got a good shepherd to defend the flock so tom well it was it was a joy to meet you and your wife and uh you have um been involved in a lot of different things i'd like uh for people here to know about founders real quick because i know that uh, your church and, and shepherding that church is your uh, your one of your primary callings there. Um, uh, right. But also, Founders is a really neat ministry. Can you explain to people what Founders is real quick, the elevator speech? Yeah, sure, sure can. Founders began in a prayer meeting with seven men in 1982 right outside of Dallas. We met in a Holiday Inn Hotel, just trying to concern ourselves with what we should do, how we should steward what God had taught us, 
Um, the Southern Baptist Convention at that time was going through the early stages of what came to be known as the conservative resurgence. We were all a part of that and committed to the inerrancy of Scripture, but we also knew that uh, Scripture is going to have to be interpreted and applied. So inerrancy is essential, but it's not enough. So we committed ourselves to work for the recovery, recovery of the biblical gospel and the reformation, biblical reformation of local churches. And so that's been our focal point as we try to resource pastors and Christians in order to understand and apply the gospel better and to uh, be a part of and encourage churches to become uh, increasingly healthy. So that's, that's been our focus for all these decades. Well, I, and you guys do some training that I was excited. We, we chatted just a little bit about it, the Institute of Public Theology. Can you share with our listeners about that real quick? Yeah, I sure can. Uh, we've had a uh, an online study center that we developed over 20 years ago in order to make theological education available to people around the world as cheaply as we could. And uh, by God's grace, we've seen, I don't know how many, over a thousand, a couple thousand probably, students go through there from uh, various nations around the world. And I did that when I read a Wall Street Journal article 23 or four years ago that said MIT was going to put all of its courses online and make it available. I, I thought, man, the world has changed. You know, Back then, nobody was really thinking about the Internet in that way. It was still very brand new. So we began developing that, and then out of that, over the last year or two, this idea of doing something more rigorous that would be kind of a hybrid of in-person training as well as online classes. And so we have launched and will begin in just about three weeks with our first class, the Institute of Public Theology. You can get more information if you go to instituteofpublictheology.org. But our basic commitment in this uh, institute is to recognize that Jesus Christ is Lord above all earthly powers. Mm. And uh, we feel like there's been a, a loss of that dimension of the lordship, kingship of Christ, both inside and outside the church. You know, every area of life, every sphere is under the authority of Christ. And so we need public theologians as pastors. Pastors have done you know, pretty well in shepherding flocks of uh, people inside the confines of the church. We think about that community. But those people live in a broader community, as we all do, and the church is to penetrate that broader community. So God's people need to learn how to think and speak and stand in the world that we have, not in the world that we wish we had or the world that was. And that's going to require public theology or taking the Word of God and applying it to every area of life. So these classes, it's a three-year program. Somebody enrolls as a full-time student. They're aimed at pastors or those design that want to be pastors, but it's open to others. So you don't have to be on that track or be in the ministry to take courses, and you can audit courses as well. But for the one who's going to do a full term with this, it'll be a three-year program. I think it's 66 credit hours. We're not credentialed. We're not uh, uh, going to offer any kind of degrees. We're not looking for accreditation. We're just providing the very best training that we're capable of providing. And we've got some men, as I like to tell it, not, who not only have conviction, but they have blood mixed with their convictions. They've paid a price to take the stands that they've taken and held. And so uh, it's been great. We're excited. we got, uh, I forget how many students already enrolled. I think it's 20, 25. We're expecting the first class. And we've got about 100 that are in the application process. And uh, I uh, you you teach at this. Uh, Vody teaches. Jared uh, Longshore teaches, and Tom Nettles teach. Right, all on the at this these things. 
That's correct. We are the founding faculty, so I'm the founding president of this. And, and this this institute has been built. It's being built by relationships. So I've known these men for years. Jared's my associate here. I've known him less long than I've known the other two. Vody and I go back 20 years, and Tom and I go back uh, nearly 35 or more years. And uh, these are all trustworthy men. So we're the founding faculty. But then we've got other faculty as well. Travis Allen, who's a former Navy SEAL, who's a pastor up in Colorado, is one of our teachers. And Mark Coppinger, who taught for a long time at Southern Seminary, was president of Midwestern Seminary, is another. James Dolezal, that's one of the sharpest young theologians on the doctrine of God. Jim Ork, who's also just an incredibly gifted man in the classics, as well as biblical theology, New Testament theology. And Chad Vegas is one of the best pastor missiologists that exists today. Those are our, our initial founding faculty and our, our uh, uh, adjunct faculty. And then we also have Carl Truman, who has uh, done just yeoman's work recently in his book, The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. Uh, he's going to be a visiting professor for us next summer. Okay, and you got a convocation coming up at the end of the month with Dr. Everett Piper. Uh, is that correct? Am I right on that? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. You know, and Everett is a, a fellow who's not um, unknown to people in academic circles. He's a longtime president of the Oklahoma Wesleyan University, and he took on a lot of the uh, Christian academic community when he wrote a book several years ago called Not a Playground, mm-hmm. in which he contended against the kind of snowflake generation mentality that uh, says everybody needs a safe space and college should just be an easy way through. He said, not for Christians and not here. So Everett's going to come in and kick off our inaugural convocation on August the 28th. That'll be on that Saturday morning, like 10 o'clock when we start. And that's open to the public. But again, at the Institute of Public Theology.org, you can register for that because we do need an RSVP. But we would invite everyone uh, who's in uh, listening distance to come and be a part of that convocation yeah and that is dr everett piper uh his book grow up life isn't safe but it's good uh he shares life lessons in that and uh you know things like always pack jumper cables (laughs) walking is better than crawling there's a real world outside mom and dad's basement you know these are uh jello doesn't nail to walls I i love that stuff you know and He's got some really good things there, so I think that's good. You know, Tom, it's funny because I was yesterday, we've got about two minutes before we go to our first break, uh, but I was reading yesterday about Paul, and when Paul was arrested and they were about to beat him, he said, you know, um, is it proper for you to beat someone uncondemned, to, to restrain somebody uncondemned? And, you know, I thought about that. You don't hear that talked about a lot in our culture but i think that a lot of uh, christians in this culture think that if the government says something even if it's not right if people in authority abuse the constitutional authority they have that we are just to roll over because we're christians and uh, mm-hmm. I, and i believe if i heard you correct what you guys are trying to do with the institute of public theology is kind of teach that what paul did is well we got to go to break but think about this when we come back i'd like to pick up on this of you know of of, as believers if the government is telling us to do something that's not right the romans 13 and what i call the pauline use of his freedom 
uh, there to deal with that, how they how they conflict sometimes. Can we talk about that when we come back from the break? Sure. All right. I'd love to. Yeah. That would be good. Well, listen, you're listening to SWAT Radio. I have uh, Tom Askell on the phone today. Uh, he is Dr. Tom Askell. He doesn't put that in front of his name because he doesn't care, but he's a Ph.D., and uh, he's a good brother who loves the Lord, very humble man who's been teaching for a long time. Tell your friends, get them to tune in and listen. We're going to be talking about stuff that affects us right now, where we are in our culture. What do you do when the government tells you to do something that they don't have the authority to tell you to do? Um, They overreach their authority right back on SWAT Radio. If you'd like to contact SWAT Radio, the toll-free number is 1-844-777-7928. That's 844-777-7928 or 844-777-SWAT. You can also listen to this program through the WTRJ The Truth app from the App Store or over the Internet by accessing www.swatradio.com. We'll be back shortly for further discussion and to take your calls. SWAT Radio is brought to you in part by Ace Door and Window Service, Inc. Ace Door and Window Service, Inc. is a full-service sales door and window installation company. Both of the owners are licensed contractors and are involved in the daily operations of the company. All of their trucks are company-owned and fully equipped. Their mission is to provide Jacksonville and the surrounding area with door and window replacement services. To learn more, call 904-701-3667. That's 904-701-DOOR. Or online at www.astore.com. Welcome back to SWAT Radio. It's Doug McCary with my friend Tom Askell, uh, my brother, who is in the battle. And uh, Tom, I was before we went to break. I was uh, talking. Well, r- real quick, I just want to let people know if you want to know more about founders, there's so many good resources on there. The Sword and the Trial podcasts. They've got blogs on there, articles on there. The Institute of Public Theology. Um, there's so many good resources on that website as believers. And, you know, we need to learn to share these things so people can go. There's a lot of good information out there to help us fight these battles. Just go to founders.org. That's F-O-U-N-D-E-R-S.org. Um, but, Tom, we were talking about uh, Paul, and I, I, I noticed something the other day when I was reading. This is why it's so important for us to read devotionally. Because, you know, a lot of times when you read devotionally, you just, the spirit will impact you with something maybe that you've read a hundred times, maybe a thousand times, and you're not really connected Mm -hmm. a dot, uh, a a couple of dots there. And one of the things that I saw in the passage I was reading the other day is Paul, when he was about to be flogged, the person that issued the flogging order that commanded him to be flogged was the tribune, who was a government uh, he was basically, I want to say a bureaucrat, but he was a he was a guy who was a political appointee. But that's not who Paul appealed to. He appealed to the centurion, 
the military guy. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever really caught that. I For me, it just mm-hmm. – I, I hadn't really thought about that. Paul did not appeal to the tribune. He appealed to the centurion. And the centurion went to the tribune and said, what are you doing? He said, you know, you can't do this. This guy's a Roman citizen. And I think for a lot of us in America, the the founding authority for our country and the document that gives the authority to every public office holder in our country is the Constitution. And the Constitution mm-hmm. is being shredded right now before our eyes in a lot of ways. And, and I think Christians believe just because they're told to do something, we've kind of been whether it's the mass, the vaccine, uh, there's a lot of things unfolding before our eyes right now, and you're being told you're unloving if you don't do that. You just go along. How are you guys dealing with that with your institute and as a shepherd at your church? I'm just curious to hear your take. We didn't get a lot of chance to talk about that over the weekend, but what, how do you respond to that hearing what you know that Acts passage and thinking in our culture right now, what's going on? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a very important passage, and uh, we've been thinking about this a lot. Of course, as elders in our church, we had to think about it, like everybody else did, in 2020 because of the things that government officials were doing, and we had to go back and reevaluate, you know, wait a minute, what's the role of government? What's our proper response to governmental authorities? And uh, that passage, as well as others, uh, informed a great deal of our thinking. And so we've dealt with this on the sword and the trowel a lot. So if your listeners want to know uh, more, there's probably um, 10 or 20 hours worth of episodes that deal specifically with these kinds of issues that we put up over the last year. But it is fascinating that Paul appeals to his Roman citizenship. And at the end of Acts 16, when he's been in prison in uh, Philippi, they, the, the magistrates want to just let them go quietly, and Paul says, no, 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 wait a minute. They beat us publicly, and we are Roman citizens, and they put us in prison, and now they're trying to get rid of us secretly. I don't think so. He says, let them come down here. Mm-hmm. And so the, the police went back uh, to those civil magistrates, and everybody gets scared. because says, <laughs> oh, no, Roman citizens. And so they came and they apologized to Paul. And so you think about that. What's Paul doing? Is he acting pridefully? No, he's not. He is acting as an ambassador of Jesus Christ, who is uh, reminding these magistrates of something that they should know. If they don't know, they, they need to know that they are servants of God, and that they have violated what God has called them to do, and even that their own Roman government recognizes. And so that applies to us specifically, directly here in the United States. We have wonderful opportunities that many of our Christian brothers and sisters around the world, and even throughout history, have not had. And that is, we are ruled by a constitutional republic. We have a document. The highest king, the highest authority in our land politically, Mm -hmm. is not a person. it's It's a document. And that document is what is going to be the final civil authority to which we appeal. And embedded in that document is the recognition that there are rights that are unalienable that have come to us not by government, but by God. And praise God for the wisdom and insight of those who formed this republic with all of our frailties and deficiencies and all of our failures to live up to the ideals through the years. Nevertheless, we have embedded in this document that which is allows for corrections, which we've made. 
uh, at different times and sometimes significantly throughout our history. So as American Christians, we think about what is our role? I like to put it like this. We teach this to our church, that we as citizens of the United States and Christians, we are citizen kings here. Hmm. And so we have to operate in the with the same kind of sensitivity and stewardship that we see laid upon kings throughout Old Testament, even New Testament, with the Romans 13 and 1 Peter 2 passages that talked about the governors and civil authorities. So with that, what does that mean? Well, I mean, obviously, I'm not living in the White House, and I'm not a senator or a congressman, <laughs> but I am a citizen, and I have responsibilities. So I can speak to those authorities. I can vote. I can also uh, persuade and we have opportunities in our, given in our government for lawful assemblies that we can protest when necessary. And we can speak to those governing authorities, reminding them that they are, as Romans 13 puts it, servants of God. Mm-hmm. They are his deacons. That's the word that's used in verse 4 of Romans 13, that the uh, governor is the servant of God to do you good. And most of our uh, civil authorities today do not know that or aren't acting like that. I mean, fortunately, here in Florida, Ron DeSantis does have some of that awareness, and he's spoken of ruling in the fear of God, and I praise God for that. But God's the one that's ordained all of the spheres of authority in his world. Mm. So he's created the church, he's created the family, he's created the state. And as a church, operates, the elders and the members have the authority, but they're under Christ to do what he's called them to do. So if elders in the church start saying, you know what, we're going to dictate what kind of clothes you wear, and we're going to tell you what kind of shoes you wear, and when you have to go to bed, well, they are taking the authority that Christ has given them, and they're misusing it. He never intended their authority to be used in that way. Hmm. And so churches and members should say, no, I'm sorry that you are rebelling against the Christ who has ordained you in this office with authority. The same thing applies in a home. I'm a father, I'm a husband, and so I have authority in my home with my wife over my children, and yet if I start abusing my children, abusing my wife, my wife, my children should say, no, you are taking authority vested in you from Christ, and you are operating outside of the sphere that he's told you to operate. You're trying to do more than what he's called you to do. Well, the same is true with our federal and state and local governments. We need to tell them, God has given you authority, but he's given you authority to stay in your lane. To do what? Well, Romans 13 lays it out. Mm. To punish those who are uh, wrongdoers. And in First Peter 2, it says to praise those who do good. Now, we can debate as to what all might fall under those two categories. But whenever a government starts trying to dictate uh, specific dimensions of our lives, as they did in 2020, with shutdowns and ruining businesses and uh, keeping people from being with family who's dying, uh, they, they are overstepping their boundaries. There, there are emergency acts and emergency measures that we recognize, and everybody did that for two weeks or three weeks when we were told that's all it would take to flatten the curve in <laughs> March of 2020. But, but after the CDC and our federal government authorities uh, made so many missteps and, and contradicted themselves repeatedly, the, the Church of Jesus Christ needs to say, you know what, uh, you don't have the authority to tell us how to worship. You don't have the authority to tell us we cannot meet, and we're going to meet, even in defiance of you. And as we've seen in Canada with some of our friends up there, you know, I've got two pastor friends that have been thrown into jail because they did exactly that in Canada. And that's not that far away from us. And so Christians in America need to wake up and stand up and speak up and say, just like Paul did, 
I don't think so. I'm not going quietly. You did something here that was wrong, and you're going to have to answer for that and start doing what's right. And I think that uh, probably Roman citizens who were in danger of being mistreated by the Roman authorities in Philippi would thank Paul, who came after him, because those those authorities were sensitized after that that they better not beat Roman citizens again. Yeah, I I think that I think that was you're exactly right. And you know, I I, I don't want to just go on the mask thing too much, but you know, people are like, why can't you just wear the mask? Why can't you just do that? And one of my statements yesterday was, you know, the CDC has flipped and flopped back and forth, back and forth, and medically, and now you've got congressmen, senators who are doctors saying there's no science behind it. So it's merely an exercise in fear Mm. and instilling fear to people and people, and it's created a lot of division in our country, you know, where people, I mean, if you want to wear a mask, you should feel free to wear a mask. But Tom, in your lifetime, and you're older, a little older than I am, uh, that have you ever seen a country so fearful as it has been over something with a, a, the lethality that uh, COVID has had? I mean, like uh, in, no. in in our lifetime, I've never seen anything like no. that. No, I haven't either, and uh, it just is confirmation that there's more going on than meets the eye. I don't think this is a COVID is real. I've got friends. I know people that have died from COVID. I've got friends who've been deathly, deathly sick. Some of them still sick uh, from COVID. So I'm not saying that it's a hoax. It's not a hoax, but the way it has been handled has been a political ploy, a political play. Mm. And I think what we've seen in 2020 is just how quickly people will fold Whenever the government says, you've got to do this or you're going to get sick or you're going to die. Mm-hmm. But when you look at the data, I mean, anybody that's a data cruncher, and I've got some buddies that are, I mean, you just look at the facts, and it's incredible. Uh, in the 2019-2020 year, the flu season, mm-hmm. there were like 38 million cases of flu. And in 2020 to 2021, we had less than 2,000. So, okay, you know, we, we cured flu uh, at, or something. But now then there's a certain type of test of, uh, for COVID that they're not using anymore because it doesn't measure for flu, which is the way we're going to have to replace it with one that does measure flu as well as COVID. And I'm thinking, well, if it's a COVID test, why do you need to measure flu? What's going on here? And right now, as you know, in Florida, we were told we're in a spike. Uh, and the whole nation is supposed to be undergoing a spike right now. Hey, Tom. Hey, Tom, I hate to press you, but we got to go to break for the news on the half hour. But when I come back, I want to keep going there, and then I want to talk to you about the SBC. Hey, you're uh, listening to SWAT Radio. i got Tom Askell from Founders Ministry. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Doug McCary of SWAT Radio. Welcome back. It is Guest Thursday. We have Tom Askell from Founders Ministry. And Tom, sorry, you know, when you do telephone interviews, sometimes it's hard when the brakes are hard and you can't uh, override them. 
Uh, they just kind of come, and uh, Tom and I are not seeing each other, so we just are verbally talking here. And uh, uh, but we were talking about this this whole idea of you know the CDC and the mask and the COVID and the flu and all these things going on, the flip flops, and now you got a lot of senators and a lot of people coming out and speaking against it, doctors who are saying, hey, this has not been handled uh, well, and nobody knows who to believe, nobody knows who to trust. And now I just saw today that they're actually considering a a vaccine um, no-fly list. In other words, if you don't have a vaccination, you can't fly, which if you've had COVID, which I've had it, I've got T-cell antibodies, I shouldn't have to have the vaccine. And um, the people have a real misunderstanding. But again, this gets into government overreach. And I think, you know, you and I both know of John MacArthur, who has done a wonderful job, I think, of shepherding the body out there, as you have. Uh, But he has been in a state uh, that didn't have DeSantis as a governor. He had Gavin Newsom. And um, he was told not to meet. And they did, I think. He exercised his rights to do what the Constitution gave him and not what a bureaucrat told him he couldn't do. And um, and so as as we think about where we're headed as a country, uh, churches have really, I think, have failed to lead well. A lot of them have in this instance. And the Southern Baptist Convention has been a firestorm uh, with a lot of this stuff, uh, critical theory. Uh, women preachers kind of going against and your commitment to the word of God has put you at the forefront of leading some of these efforts to keep, uh, you know, God's word as our authority as well. Uh, tell us a little bit about the Southern Baptist convention and what happened because there's a lot of bad information out there. And, um, you know, about things that have happened, people have said that you supported critical theory because of uh, what happened back in 2019, um, you know, uh, about that amendment, uh, 9, or uh, what, what was it called, Resolution 19? Resolution 9. 9, yeah. And, uh, and I just would like to give you a chance to clarify what happened in 19 and what you tried to do in 21 and what happened in 21. Yeah, well, in, in uh, 2019, the convention met, met in Birmingham, and each year there's a resolutions committee that begins to meet months before the convention, and Southern Baptists can submit resolutions to the committee. The committee has the authority to just dismiss them, ignore them basically, or to amend them or to write their own resolutions, or they can bundle some resolutions together to make three resolutions, one. So they, they have a great deal of authority. Resolutions don't have any authority once they're passed or adopted on churches. Uh, so churches, they're just kind of instructional about this is what the convention at this time said. But in 2019, there was a resolution submitted from a pastor out in California that uh, basically refuted critical race theory and intersectionality. The Resolutions Committee took that resolution that was submitted and rewrote it to affirm critical race theory and intersectionality, though with caveats, saying that we believe in the sufficiency of Scripture, we believe the Baptist faith and message, and it's always subservient to that. But these are useful analytical tools. Well, I and some others uh, tried to uh, stand against that, and there's no way to amend everything that needed to be amended. I looked over and came up with 17 areas that need to be amended in that resolution. You'll never get that. 
on the floor of a convention and that kind of uh, structure, the polity structure. So we came up, I think, with three amendments, submitted them, hoping that the committee would receive them as friendly. But what we were hoping to do is, with those amendments, say enough that would demonstrate these are really bad ideologies and they should not be used by God's people. Well, that was debated. The amendments were voted down because the messengers went with the committee on the platform, and then the whole original rewritten resolution by the committee was adopted. I've had countless people, including people with PhDs and leaders, who said, we didn't know what we were voting on. We trusted the platform. We trusted the committee. And once people began to find out what critical race theory and intersectionality actually are, they rightly became upset about it. And so we were poised in 2020 to rescind that uh, resolution. I was prepared to make a motion to do so. There was great momentum behind it. Of course, COVID hit, the convention was canceled. So in 2021, we met in Nashville, and I was still, people had tried to talk me out of it. I had people try to broker deals with me, you know, say, well, what if we do this? You know, I, I'm still going to make my motion. Well, you know you're going to be ruled out of order. I'm still going to make my motion. You know, I just I'm, I told everybody I wasn't trying to be coy about it. And so sure enough, in the perfect time, I made my motion. And uh, sure enough, the attorneys of the SBC came to the microphone and said, your motion is not in order. You cannot do this. And uh, I tried to appeal the decision of the chair. We, are, we operate by Robert's Rules of Order. And that appeal did not pass. And so my, resolu- my motion to rescind it um, failed. What we also did, though, as a plan B, is we submitted another resolution that completely uh, renounced critical race theory. And we had more than 1,300 Southern Baptists sign that resolution and submit it. That has never happened before in the history of the SBC. The most that any, any resolution ever had uh, supporting it was five people who submitted a resolution together. We had 1,300, and the committee rejected that. And they came out with a very weak resolution that it, it says all the right things, nothing you and I would disagree with, but it refuses to, to name critical race theory or intersectionality. And it just seemed to me to be a cowardly thing to do. And, uh, of course, that resolution passed. There's not anything wrong with it. It's just it's what it doesn't do, what it should have done. And they, uh, they completely rejected the resolution submitted by 1,300 Southern Baptists. So where we are now is we do have some people who are advocating critical race theory. They don't do it by name because that's not popular anymore after 2020, and especially when President Trump came out condemning it. Now we got governors condemning it, but now we got school boards that are having moms show up at their meetings condemning it. Uh, nobody wants to be in favor of critical race theory today. But what they're doing is they're denying the title, the name, while they're still implementing the policies and the ideas embedded within it. So it's very much with us. Uh, we have problems in some of our institutions, the SBC, and certainly in some of our churches. And you, you just you don't have to look long or hard to see how that's manifesting itself. Well, I know that we have people within the Southern Baptist uh, Convention that are listeners, people who were members um, and uh, who went to that and you know, I've been surprised at the number of uh, men and women in leadership, or really the men in leadership of churches, specifically guys like Mark Deaver, Russell Moore, uh, Thabiti, Annie Wabi, Wabili, uh, David Platt, Matthew Hall, um, you know, Matt Chandler, 
J.D. Greer, these people in the past have traditionally been very conservative in their view of Scripture, but they've they've kind of caved in a little bit to the wokeness or the you know this critical theory. And you have been, in fact, didn't you help draft or didn't you draft the Dallas statement on intersectionality and critical theory? Yes, yes, I did. In 2018, I was with a group of about 13 other guys, and so I did the initial draft, but everyone participated in that, including Bodie Baltman and John MacArthur and uh, some others as well. So, yes, we did that. You can find that at statementonsocialjustice.org if you want to look at it, if you want to sign it. Yeah, and guys like Steve Lawson and Paul Washer, Phil Johnson, these guys, uh, Josh Buse, these guys have been on the uh, – the fighting and to say, Hey, we, we've got to stand firm. And, you know, one of the things I asked you about at the retreat was Ed Litton was voted president of the Southern Baptist convention, but there was a lot of, uh, a, a lot of gossip and a lot of things that were put out there about the other candidate for the president, a guy who was more conservative in his view of scripture. Uh, can you speak a little bit about those, uh, allegations that were made against his opponent and also where i mean i am not going to ask you to say anything negative about ed other than the fact that uh what what does that mean for the sbc for him to be in charge of it now yeah and i don't know ed uh you know the people that know him well that i know think highly of him but mike stone was the candidate that i was supporting and voting for mike's a pastor uh, in Georgia, and he sees these issues clearly, and he stands firmly against them. And Ed, it's not been that way in the way he's discussed them. Ed also preaches with his wife on Sunday mornings at times, uh, though he said that he was against women preachers. Videos have shown up where he's actually done that. Uh, Ed has also uh, taken sermons from J.D. Greer and Tim Keller and others and preached them almost word for word without attribution. Mm-hmm. Um and it, 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 there's just a lot of problems. On his website, after he was elected president, it was discovered his website has basically, if not heresy, a heterodox, heterodoxological statement on the doctrine of God. It's partialism. It said God has three parts. You know, it's just, it's crazy that this had happened. But what happened to Mike Stone were enemies of his, and you'd think, why would we have enemies in the Church of Christ? <laughs> there they are. They they did hit jobs. They did hit jobs on Mike. It was ungodly. It was wicked. Uh, letters were leaked making veiled accusations against him. He was accused of being a part of a group by Russell Moore, also accused him of this in a letter, of uh, contributing to a culture that uh, leads to the rape of women and the destruction of children. And, and Russ said that he did that. You know, he'd known about this for over a year. And I'm thinking, well, wh- what are you? Are you a man? It, mm-hmm. If you were part of something like that, you saw it and you didn't stop it. Mm-hmm. You wait and write a letter about it and then leak it a year later. I mean, come on. You know, you're not a man. I'm not, I don't know. How do, you, how, do you, how do you own up to that as a Christian man? I don't get it, much less a Christian leader. Mm-hmm. And then his right-hand man, Russ's right-hand man, Philip Bettencourt, uh, secretly taped meetings from years past with Mike Stone in, in those meetings and then leaked them. He, the meetings are supposed to be confidential. They all said, we're going to be confidential in what we talk about here. Well, he taped them, and then he leaked little edited portions of them, telling people what they said before anybody listened to them. And what he says, oh, Mike Stone in, uh, in, or, uh, implicates himself here in covering up sex abuse. That well, sounds more That yeah, sounds more like politics than it does like uh, 
a leadership oh, of a ministry. <laughs> hey, sorry, we got we got to go to a break. Uh, uh, sorry, Tom, we got to go to our last break. But I want to talk about that when we come back. That it looks more political than it does spiritual. So keep that keep that right there. When we come back, we'll finish up because I also want to talk about women preachers. Uh, you're listening to SWAT Radio. Doug McCary talking to Tom Askell. We'll be right back after this break. This program has the potential to reach millions of men each week. If you'd like to learn how you can support this unique program that is helping men understand the truth about Jesus through God's Word and how to impact their lives and the lives of others, then go to www.swatradio.com. Then click on the donate link to help SWAT Radio pass on the truth for the next generation. We're so grateful for having people like Tom Neal Truck Company sponsoring SWAT Radio. Tom Neal Truck Company is located at 417 Edgewood Avenue South in Jacksonville, Florida. Tom Neal is a full-service franchise truck dealer for Freightliner, Western Star, Volvo, Isuzu, and Sprinter vans offering new and used truck sales, service, parts, and truck rental, and leasing to the North Florida and South Georgia truck market. More information on Tom Neal Truck Company is located at www.tomneal.com. That's www.tomnehl.com. Welcome back to SWAT Radio again, uh, Tom. Sorry for, for that quick. We, we it's time just flies through here in an hour, and literally with three breaks, it just it just goes really quick. But I want to go back to what we were talking about: how people were secretly recording and then doing edited stuff. That sounds more like uh, NBC or some hit piece that somebody's doing on some political candidate instead of. Uh, people who are trying to seek the spiritual leadership of a denomination, you know, and, and, and seek Absolutely. what God would want. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, some of the tactics would have made the DNC blush. Uh, it was embarrassing. It was uh, ungodly. It was wicked. It was cowardly. And so as a result, I talked to several messengers who did not vote for Mike Stone, and, and one who was going to that when these things came out, say I just lost confidence. I was afraid he might be, you know, complicit in all these accusations. Others who said, "Well, we read, you know, the emails that were leaked, and then we heard about these recordings." I said, "Did you listen to the recordings?" "No, didn't listen to them. Just read what Philip said about them." Well, I listened to the recordings, and there's nothing there. It's mm-hmm. absolutely nothing. So it's it was just I, I hate that. But even with that, Mike lost on the second ballot by less than four percent less than 300 votes. If we'd had 300 votes go a different way, uh, then he would have been elected president. And we only had like, I think it was 10% or no, maybe not even, I can't remember, maybe maybe 12% of the Southern Baptist churches show up uh, with messengers. And there's 45,000 churches. If we get 10%, 10 more percent to show up, it's game over. Because I guarantee you that the average church member and pastor in our typical Southern Baptist churches do not appreciate what's going on. It's these SBC elites that are running the show, and they're they're either complicit or they're 
true believers in driving the train. And either way, they need to be ashamed of themselves and repent and step down. And those of us who lead regular churches are to take back the entities that belong to us in the SBC. But the only way we can do that is show up. And we need to do that next year in Anaheim, California, for the annual convention. Yeah, I well, I, I so appreciate you being on the front lines of not only fighting against it, but helping others who do. Um, I mean, everything from your help with Vody, uh, with his funding for his heart surgeries and treatment. A lot of people prayed for Vody. We talked about Vody on here. We haven't really talked about him and and how he's doing, but. Um, you know, you you um, when those pat when Jim Oreck uh, uh, was you know let go from Southern Baptist up there is fired because he took a stand. Uh, you created a GoFundMe to help him, and and you you've been good like that, and that's what brothers do. We stand together with those who are standing because you know it's 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 getting almost in the church, Tom, like it is outside in that. You don't know who to trust and who not to because these leaders that have traditionally been very conservative are wavering, and I don't understand why they're wavering the way they are uh, on, on this issue of critical theory because it is absolutely uh, a a man-made Gnostic, to use uh, Vody's word, a form of uh, man-made religion is what it is. and. Uh, and we've got to speak out against it. And so, you know, I want to talk about Vody's book real quick. Have you had a chance mm-hmm. to talk to him about this charge of plagiarism against him, which is unfounded, really? Because uh, we, we talked yeah. about it the other day. But it's almost like because you and Vody have spoken out about some of the Ed Litton stuff, people are trying to pin some of this stuff to discredit Vody in his book. Is, is that what you see in that? that that's exactly. That's exactly right. Let me just let your listeners know that while we're doing this pop, this uh, interview right now, the Sword and Trial podcast dropped about 10 or 15 minutes ago where we interviewed Vody. So we got him on the line. Uh, you can see his image via Skype, and we talked to him about these things. He answers the charges. He owns mistakes that were made in the formatting of the book and words that he said that he shouldn't have said one time when he misread his notes. But, no, he, he answers those charges. I encourage everybody to listen to that podcast, Sword and Trial podcast with Buddy Balkan, specifically answering Joel McDermott's charges. And we're giving away copies of his book on that podcast, too, and we're going to sell his, other, of his book uh, for 50% off, I think. So if you don't have it and you want to get a copy of it, you can get a chance to get one for free and buy it for half price if you listen to the podcast and use the code. Yeah, it, founders.org. Go there and, and just go down to uh, scroll down to tools and resources. You'll see the sword and the trial and uh, listen to that. Vody is th- – there's a difference between somebody writing a book and, and really – having a different format road Vody did not write this book as an academician who is writing for academics to read it. He wrote it for people in the world and you cite different sources when you write to different audiences is one thing that I saw in it as well in the critiques. Yeah. Um, and so um, Vody has a lot of good information in there and I just, uh, and he's, do, how's his health? Is he doing good now? Yeah, he's doing good. He's back working out at Brazilian Jiu Jitsu so he's getting stronger. He looks good, sounds good. So I was very encouraged to talk to him yesterday. Good. Well, hey, one one other thing, because you, you mentioned it when we were talking about this SBC and stuff. Women preachers, women elders, um, 
You know, Beth Moore made a big uh, thing uh, about a year ago, maybe two years ago, when she left the SBC. You know, I was in Houston when she was out there at First Baptist Church, and she was teaching this huge Sunday school out there where there were men and women going to. And and she said it was for women, but men could come. And it, it was just really awkward uh, there. And, and, and people like her uh, who have been doing that, who are very gifted communicators, have ask the question, well, why can't women be preachers? Why can't? And there are a lot of women. There's people who listen to this program who may go to churches where there may be a woman on staff ministering who preaches. And you said uh, even Ed Litton's wife preaches with him. You know, specifically, Tom, where do you think the SBC is going to land on this, um, women preachers and women elders? Is there a difference for our audience between a woman who serves as a pastor and a woman who just gets up and teaches one Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, there is a difference because you've got one that's actually in a God-ordained role, and you've got one that's doing a, a God-ordained function. Now, as Baptists, we've historically recognized the uh, the connection of that role and function, but what we have today are modern Baptists saying, no, 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 we can have a woman fulfill the role or fulfill the function without fulfilling the role. And I, I think that is uh, making real distinctions without any difference. So we do have women who are preaching, and they preach to congregations on Sunday mornings. They joke about it. Uh, we don't have – well, we do. Rick Warren just ordained three women pastors out in his Saddleback Church in California and very proudly boasted that we were breaking precedent. We're doing something never done before here <laughs> at this church. So that's the way it's going. Now, that's the way it's going. Again, once you give up on a strict commitment to the authority of God's Word and you say, look, I'm going to believe this Word no matter what it says, where it goes, uh, once you give that up and you start putting your finger to the wind of the cultural um, delights and, and preferences, then you're easily going to be played off of submission to God's Word. And so that's that's the battle right now. And I don't know what's going to happen in the SBC. Uh, I do believe that if many of our churches, more of our churches will show up, I think that we could reverse this. But it's not going to happen unless people pay the price to show up and speak out. Yeah. Well, you know, one of my mentors was asked to go to a church up north because they were about to have a church split, and he met with the elders, and it was on the issue of ordaining women elders and allowing them to preach. And when he went in there, he they they pretty much had already made up their mind, uh, even though he was trying to help them see the biblical authority for not allowing that. And he just made the statement that, well, you might as well go ahead and open up the door to ordaining homosexuals too. And they got upset at him, and he said, why? Uh, why are you getting upset? Because if you're going to deviate from what God's word says in context, then what's to stop you from going any further and rationalizing other things? Deviation is deviation. And, and I think you're made to feel bad. At least I've been made to feel bad that I'm just trying to, I'm, I'm patriarchal. I'm, I'm dogmatic that, that things are different today. Women are educated today. Um, you know, and it's interesting to me that if you look, um, I, I've watched this Chosen series, and, you know, I, I, every, it's not Scripture, but one of the things that it made me do was go to Scripture and read about some things. And there were women that followed Jesus and provided for him, but he didn't choose one of them to be one of the 12. 
He used them. They were evangelists. They did ministry, but they were never put in a position either by Jesus or by Paul or by the apostles in authority in a church. And he took it back to Adam. And I think, uh, you know, either scripture is authority or it's not. And so thank you for your stand on that. And, um, the way you have uh, just been a stalwart for the scriptures and the authority of scriptures. And we just got about two minutes left. Uh, I know you had a medical episode about two years ago and I just, I didn't, I didn't even ask you over the weekend. I meant to ask you about it. How, how is your health? How are you doing? Yeah, I, I'm doing well by God's grace. Uh, I, we don't know everything that happened. There's still a lot of questions, but I just, you know, I'm back doing what I need to do and just trusting God that if I need to know the answers, they'll be made known in time. But uh, right now, you know, there's not really any limitations. I just have to be wise about certain things. So God's been so kind. I have no complaints about uh, my health. He's, he's been abundantly kind to me in that. Well, well, you have been a trooper uh, for the King, and I'm so glad that uh, you're down in South Florida. We uh, certainly affirm your ministry, founders.org. I want to let our listeners know one more time. If you would like to support founders.org, just go to founders.org and you can, uh, you can donate online. You can, uh, you can go partner with them. You can go to their Institute of Public Theology and get trained by them. You can go to the Sword and Trowel and get good, uh, uh, cultural updates with what's going on, biblical worldview as it relates to things going on, and just a lot of good resources there. Tom, um, our time has come to an end. Thank you, brother, for all that you do for the kingdom and for coming up, sharing with my SWAT guys up here. And we just appreciate you and your ministry and uh, hope to uh, stay in touch with you. Doug, I love that. It's a joy to be with you and men, and thank you for this opportunity. Yeah, when you talk to Bodie again, tell him his buddy up in Jacksonville said hi, all right? I'll do it. All right. Hey, you've been listening to uh, Tom Askell from Founders Ministry. Go to founders.org. Support them. Pray for them. Pray for Tom and his family. Pray for Jared Longshore. He's in the, uh, the ministry there with him down there and on staff at the church. Great group of guys, and uh, just thank you for having them down in South Florida. We'll be back tomorrow with Taylor on SWAT Radio. Look forward to taking your calls tomorrow. Have a good evening. Bye-bye. If you missed a SWAT Radio broadcast this week and would like to hear any show in its entirety, then go to SWATradio.com. Click on Past Shows, where you can listen to the broadcast. Also, if you're looking for a band of brothers that gather around God's Word to be a part of, then go to SWATradio.com and email one of our hosts, and they can get you plugged in to one of the local SWAT Bible studies. Tune in next time to explore how SWAT Radio is strengthening spiritual.